Thanks for tuning in to Talking Bay 94, the Star Wars podcast devoted to interviews with the cast, crew, and creators of a galaxy far, far away. I'm your host, Brandon Winerdy, and in this episode, we're talking to Corey D. Williams from Return of the Jedi about following in his father's footsteps in the Arizona desert, as well as his love of the fans and funk. This is Talking Bay 94, Episode 1, Corey D. Williams. I'm joined today by the great Corey D. Williams, and he's gracious and, and, and let us talk to him this afternoon, and I've, I'm really excited. I'm sure you have some great stories, and I want to make this just kind of a conversation and, and kind of an oral history of your experience, especially working on Star Wars and then beyond. So I'm sure you've told a lot of stories. I'm, I'm sure you've, you've told them a hundred times, but we'd love to record them and, and have them ready and ready for posterity. So. I hope you have a lot of time. <laughs> uh, we, we have all the time you want to talk about. So, Cordy Williams, uh, you may know him, of course, as the son of Billy D. Williams. But not only that, he is a musician. He's a fitness instructor. He is, are you writing a book, apparently, about your, your experiences on the Return of the Jedi set and beyond? Yeah. I'm kind of a, I kind, I'm kind of a jack of all trades, I guess, sort of. That's, that's what we like to hear. And so... Um, <laughs> But today we'll be talking especially about his experiences on the set of Return of the Jedi in the desert of Arizona, um, not only as the stand-in for Lando, but as Klaatu, uh, one of Jabba's henchmen. So, Corey, uh, thank you very much for joining us. You're welcome, man. I'm happy to do it. Thanks for, thanks for inviting me. <laughs> oh, no worries at all. <laughs> um <laughs> The pleasure is all ours. Um, so let's talk about Star Wars real fast before your dad even you can't got involved. Talk about Star Wars real fast, I don't think, but <laughs> we'll, we'll try. <laughs> we <can> try. <laughs> uh, that's a great way to put it. Uh, but you were a big Star Wars fan before your dad even got involved, right? So maybe talk about your experience with the saga. Oh yeah, I mean, I I saw the the original movie several times and. And I've always been a huge fan of Star Wars. I mean, I grew up watching Star Trek and, you know, all of the things that came before Star Wars. But so I've always kind of been interested in in sci-fi movies and movies of different genres and stuff, and uh, especially martial arts films, but action films. And um, Star Wars, you know, the whole saga just has such a great story and... Um, you know, when I watched it when I was young, I just couldn't wait to see what was going to happen next in the <laughs> next movie. So so I was pretty excited when my father told me he was going to be in uh, Empire Strikes Back, which was the second film, um, uh, episode five. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's keep it all straight. But <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it was pretty exciting news when, when I found out he was going to do it. And I was... Wow, that's really cool. So they kind of, um, I guess from what he told me, they kind of created that role, you know, based on wanting to have him in the movie. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I, I think, you know, it's a, it's, it's an icon, iconic role. And, um, you know, it's, they, everybody wants him to be in the newer movies, but and they chose not to put him in. But mm -hmm. I think to me, that's okay because being part of the original 
trilogy is something special, you know. Of course. Of course. Mm-hmm. What do you I this is kind of a sidetracking question that I wasn't going to get into, but what do you think of Donald Glover's, you know, we've seen some recent footage very recently of of him kind of stepping in your dad's shoes. What do you think of of how he's approaching the role? Um well, I have no idea what he's doing and um what his approach is. I know they had a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um about it. But, you know, I guess he's going to do his own thing. I mean, they're doing something different with these movies. Um, I don't think anybody can step into my dad's shoes. No, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Not me, myself included. People people think, man, you know, why why aren't you in there? You look like him, you sound like him, (laughs) you act like him. I'm like, yeah, I'm probably older than what they would need it first of all and second yeah. of all i'm not really an actor i mean i've done some acting but mm-hmm. i'm really more of a musician than i am an actor right but um you know i i do wish him the best yeah of course of course <laughs> uh, well let's let's talk real fast i guess when you literally almost stepped into your dad's shoes as his stand-in for return of the jedi uh yeah what, literally yeah what how did um he approached you right and asked if you could help him on the set yeah, um, the story is basically, and we've been talking about fooling around about writing a book about the whole experience, mm-hmm. which some people may or may not be interested in in reading. But um, but yeah, I had actually Stephen Costantino and I mm-hmm. had a band together at the time called Atmosphere, and we were working really hard on um, material for an album so that we could secure a record deal and we had been approached by a few record companies and and um you know the the sort of the only issue was that we didn't really have enough material really to get signed to a deal at the time um so we were working on more stuff and we're in the process of writing creating more music i play bass and he's a guitarist and um my father approached me, he said, do you, do you want to go to Yuma, Arizona, and work on uh, Return of the Jedi, which was Revenge of the Jedi at the time? <laughs> and I was like, eh, you know, <laughs> I, don't, yeah, I don't know. You know, <laughs> people laugh when I, when I say that, you know, because who wouldn't jump at the chance to be right in any Star Wars movie? I certainly would now. Uh-huh. You know, if they just wanted me to stand around in the background, I'd do it. But, but yeah, back in those days, you know, I was a lot younger. I was 22 years old. We were working on this music, and it was pretty important to us to get the stuff finished and, um, you know, move on to the next phase of what we were trying to accomplish. So, you know, I was hesitant, but then he said, well, you can bring Steven with you, and you guys can continue working on the music. And I was like, sounds like a deal to me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Win-win. So, yeah, so Stephen went with us, and um, and he and I worked on the music in the evenings when we weren't on the set, which was kind of fun, and people would actually come to our hotel room and listen to what we were doing, and we were jamming and doing stuff, and some of the cast and crew members would come hang out with us. It was, we had a, we had really had a blast there, man. It was like, you know, you, you when you're on these sets and stuff for extended periods of time, everybody becomes, like, uh, like a family you know mm-hmm. sort of but um but the cool but the weirdest thing was that when i first got there they handed us these t-shirts and hats that said blue harvest on them right. and i was like 
what in the world? I said, I thought we came here to do Star Wars. Huh. <laughs> and they said, yeah, that's just what we're calling it, you know, so people don't don't really get catch on. And I was like, well, so the first uh, the first time we all kind of went to dinner together, my dad's there and Mark Hamill's there and um, Carrie Fisher and, you know, Harrison Ford and I said, that's going to kind of blow it, right? <laughs> People are going to figure it out very quickly, yeah. Yuma, Arizona is a small town. Yeah. <laughs> but that was kind of the beginning of it, yeah. So let's talk about that for a second, your interactions with, you shared screen time with, with a lot of those those actors. What was your impressions of them and how was it kind of sharing the screen with such an iconic cast? Well, you know, really, I I just went there as a stand-in. So um, it, people that don't know what a stand-in does, you just basically help uh, the camera crew set up the shots for the actor. So you watch the actor rehearse and do the scene, and then you um, you sometimes there are marks on the floor or somewhere where you have to you know hit those marks. And um, so they can get the lighting right and the camera angles right. It's all very technical, but you sort of help out mm -hmm. with uh, with that whole side of the production when you're standing. So that's what I was there ma mainly to do. And um, but you know, we I met Carrie the first time when we um, when we were getting on the airplane to go to Yuma, and mm -hmm. I, she was on the same flight with us. And I just remember being sort of taken by how sort of honest and what a genuine person she was right. like she was totally herself you know <laughs> but you get the you develop these ideas of what you think people are like based on characters that you see them play but you know a lot of times they're nothing like the characters <laughs> right <laughs> but you know princess leia is a pretty tough chick so you know carrie is pretty much this pretty similar i mean she was a pretty tough person and you know, it was just kind of interesting, you know, getting to meet all these different people. And and Mark was very cool. He's, you know, still, he's, he's a great guy. I mean, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, Harrison's kind of kept more to himself a little bit. Mm -hmm. I didn't get a chance to spend, you know, too much time around him. But, um, but he was like really cool. I mean, everybody was really, really nice. You know, right. and um, everybody seemed to be... You know, everybody was kind of easy to work with. Nobody was difficult, I would say. You know? That's good. What was it like working with, like, Richard Marquand or George Lucas? What was kind of that? How were they on set? Uh, you know, those guys are really busy. And so when you're, when you're uh, you know, a stand-in, you're kind of a low-level <laughs> guy. You know? <laughs> you're lucky if you get to say two words to, to those right. guys. But actually did... Um, see George quite a bit and didn't talk to him much. He, he was kind of quiet actually. And, right. But, um, but the funny thing was he wore like this shirt that was like a, a, it was like a flannel shirt, like in the desert that he, he had on every single day. I don't know if it was like a, a luck thing or something, but um, he wore that shirt a lot the whole time. And I don't know if he had more than one of them. <laughs> But um, but yeah, I actually took a photo of he and my father together, mm -hmm. and I don't think I don't know if I ever got a photo with him or not. But you know, back in those days, we didn't have like 
everybody wasn't walking around with a cell phone with a camera in it. I mean, mm -hmm. you had to actually bring a camera and put film in it. <laughs> right. So, but they didn't allow picture taking on the set, but mm -hmm. um, my father had a camera. He's, he's an avid photographer and right. artist. And yeah. so he likes to take photos and then do paintings from his photos a lot. But so he's always been taking photos and, you know, I got into it too through him because he would hand cameras down to me, but yeah, he just happened to be walking around on the set taking shots. And of course they didn't say anything to him. And <laughs> yeah, they, just, they can't tell him no. <laughs> <laughs> I just sort of borrowed his camera and, you know, from time to time and took some shots that I thought I wanted to take. And um, so we got some pretty cool behind the scenes stuff, but in the end they actually did, they confiscated our, our role of slide film. And then, mm. um, they developed it, and when we received it back, it had Lucasfilm trademark stamped on it. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't mess around, man. Yeah, I don't think they've ever messed around, right? They, no. they know what they're doing. <laughs> so even when I started doing conventions and signings and stuff, uh, one of the photos of Stephen and I is actually my personal photo that mm -hmm. was hanging up here in my house that um, Derek got really excited about when he saw it. He was like, people would like to have that. Yeah, sign. But you know, we don't really own the rights to the. Even though it's even my though photo, it, right? I don't own the photo. They own the photo. So mm -hmm. <laughs> that's the one of you, you two unmasked, right? Like on the skiff. Yeah, that one's yeah, great. A, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's a great shot because we have the costumes on, and you can see the see the the detail, and you can also see the head. Then I have Clatu's head down, which right. It was just sort of a coincidence that I got to even do that creature i mean that wasn't supposed to happen it just sort of happened randomly well let, let's talk about Klaatu because i think that's such a cool just addition to the to your time on the set right not only were you a stand-up but you also had a role that's now kind of evolved as action figures and it got a name and you didn't you didn't even know that it had a name for a long time did you it's kind of just taken a, a life on its own yeah I, I didn't i didn't have a clue man i mean I have a training studio in my home where I train my clients and stuff. I've been a fitness lifestyle coach for 26 years. Um, you know, I trained some of everybody, Jane Fonda. I, I wow. trained for, for, um, in preparation for a mountain climb once. And then also trained ice cube for the first Friday's movie <laughs> he did, um, for the fight sequence with, um, tiny Lester, mm -hmm. um, Debo. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, we, I had a photo in my house and, um, Derek came and he saw it in, in my training studio and he was like, I think that character that you, that mask you have on has a, is a name and he's an action figure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. And I was like, what? Get out of here. So this is like 30, you know, 30 years later or something. Right. And, um, so he said, let me do some research and I'll get back to you. And he got back to me and he said, yeah, it's, it's clad too. Mm -hmm. And he's part of an action figure set. I'm like, 30 years later, I find out I'm an action figure. I mean, <laughs> I could have puffed up and and really used that on some people, you know? <laughs> I'm an action figure, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> I could have elevated my status. <laughs> but yeah, no, um, it was pretty, pretty weird. And I was just like, wow, that's just kind of amazing and like people were telling me that they've been collecting like 
I'm one of the first toys they had when they were a kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's just, it's just unbelievable, really, yeah. to tell you the truth. I mean, I don't even think when I did it, I'm not even sure that he had a name at that point. Mm -hmm. If he did, I, I never was aware of it. I mean, he was probably creature number 765219. You know, he probably right. just had some random identification way to identify him. That's so funny. Yeah, because I guess they named all of those characters after the day the Earth stood still, right? It's kind of like a, an homage. Yeah, that's pretty pretty funny about all that. And then also, I mean, they probably, I'm sure when it, when it became necessary to give them names is probably when they decided to make toys out of them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, when you're on screen, I mean, it's not like I had to actually, um, Derek had to work really hard to get... Um, um, IMDB to, to, um, to put me in there as a credit because mm -hmm. for clad too, because it's not on the screen, you right. know, it's not in the movie. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so they had to like prove it, you know, I had to prove that I was the guy. God, you're like, here's this picture that I took that Lucasfilm <laughs> yeah. has a logo on now. Yeah. I mean, and the fact that I have the head on and, you know, you can clearly see the costume. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, there is another guy who did some background work in London, which, um, you know, he's out there, too. But but uh, he kind of came up. But, uh, you know, I did everything like in the desert. Right. In the Sarlacc pit and like all the, the fight sequence with with um, Skywalker and all that. Mm hmm. I mean, if you blink your eye while you're watching the movie, you'll probably miss me. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, thank God nowadays, you know, you can pause and go right. back and freeze frame and, you know. <laughs> and that's that's all that Star Wars fans do. So you don't have to even worry about it. They're, they're going to definitely know that you're in the movie. So. <laughs> I'm always surprised they come up with action shots. Like sometimes mm -hmm. when I when I go to cons and stuff um, and make appearances they have some action shots that I didn't even know existed. And mm -hmm. also shots of me actually, I guess there were probably continuity shots that they take to make sure that you, your costume kind of stays the same. Um, there are shots of me standing there in the costume mm -hmm. and head shots and stuff. He's kind of a green, scaly looking dude. Right. His, <laughs> I, I love the expression on his face. I think it's a very, just how it was crafted. I think it's one of the more standout aliens of the whole kind of Jabba scene so it's it is it's always been one of my favorites just just how he was designed is it really communicates a lot so well let's talk you kind of mentioned the fans and the conventions and, and you're a relative newcomer to the convention scene right how has it kind of shaped the experience from 30 years ago how has that kind of informed how you feel about it now well you know I started I guess it's been like five years since I started doing them mm -hmm. um but you know, I never imagined I'd be doing anything like that. You know, I just thought, hey, you know, this is just a really cool thing that kind of happened in my life a long time ago. I had no idea that it was like a fan base <laughs> <laughs> for a creature with no name, you know. Right. So it was kind of a, of a surprise um, when uh, when Derek uh, approached me because um, he'd been managing my father for a long time mm -hmm. uh, at conventions and, and at con convention appearances and stuff. So, you know, he said, would you be interested in going to a convention? I was like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> you know 
that's not really my thing sitting there signing autographs and stuff that you know that's something my father does he's famous but um but yeah he talked me into it and one thing led to another and it's been a great experience because i get to go out and meet different kinds of people and um you know you meet people in all walks of life and right and um it's amazing to see how much enthusiasm there is you know for for it you know for those old movies you know because mm-hmm. when i started going out it was before the next this this new group of films um were released but um but there's just still so much love and and, and um appreciation for those for those original films still, you know, which is really kind of cool to see. And it's cool to see kids and, you know, that are excited, but it's amazing that, you know, little kids, I mean, it just gets handed down from generation to generation. I mean, the enthusiasm, their parents, mm-hmm. their grandparents, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. like... <laughs> so it's pretty cool. And, um, I don't get to go out a whole bunch because, you know, my character's kind of obscure and, you know, they're not going to spend a whole bunch of of money bringing me to a convention because um, I'm not I'm not the kind of person that's going to sell a lot of tickets. But I mean, but really, you know, originally I got really interested in doing it because I was able to spend more time with my dad. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, we don't see each other a lot because we're on opposite ends of the spectrum here and mm-hmm. he's always busy and I'm busy doing my thing. So when we do get together um you know, we always have a good time and, and, um, you know, it's kind of a surreal atmosphere for us to like hang out in and yeah, I'm sure. he's, used to, he's used to being recognized all the time and stuff, but you know, it's kind of weird for me, you know, when I go to a con and stuff, a lot of people know who I am, which is kind of odd, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, cause then when I come home and I go to the grocery store, it's like, you know, <laughs> nobody cares. <laughs> But uh, but I do, you know, because we look similar people, you know, there's probably at least two or three times a week. Somebody says, you know who you look like? I was like, yeah, (laughs) I look like my mother, actually, but you don't know who she is. (laughs) Uh, I want to talk about your your current projects and the things that you've been working on, because you you mentioned that you're a fitness instructor and a musician. And and I know that you've also done, you know, um, you have a music music project called 3D Nucleus. And maybe talk about that a little bit and and tell people how you could uh, share that, how people can see that for themselves. Well, 3D Nucleus, I mean, I was in the music business since back when I did Jedi and um, been writing songs and producing, mixing, arranging, recording music, you know, a good portion of my life. Um, So I've watched all the different things happen. I mean, we went from analog recording to digital recording. And so it's really interesting, you know, the the leaps and bounds that that recording has taken. But, Mm -hmm. you know, back when, um, when we used to record, we had to work on the songs, rehearse the songs, and then you went in the studio or you had some equipment and you recorded it. Um, but now the way we kind of work is a little bit differently. I got I was out of the music business for a long time. Um, had a development deal with RCA BMG at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I was working with uh, Joel Osborne, who is uh, singer Jeffrey Osborne's nephew. And we had a project. So I've had several projects and I've also helped other people with their projects. Um, 
nothing that ever became a big hit or anything, but um, just have a lot of experience doing it. But um, when I started becoming a fitness trainer um, in 1991, I started my business and, um, you know, I studied kinesiology and all that. And, mm-hmm. um, and I've always been an avid fitness enthusiast. My father got me into it. I mean, when I was 13 years old, he and I used to go to the Y together. And <laughs> so he's always been like really into working out. And so he kind of um, got me into it. So that's something I've kind of always, all these things have been kind of happening all at once, really. Like I was doing music, I was working out and, um, you know, and so all these things just kind of, it's, 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 they've been part of my life pretty much for, for, since the beginning, um, Mm -hmm. as long as I can remember. But, um, but yeah, 3D Nucleus basically, um, I decided once I was going to get back into music and writing music again, um, a really close friend of mine um, encouraged me. She said, look, you really should, you know, you, 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 music is part of who you are and you really should, you know, get back into writing again. Cause I would share stuff that I wrote before and people would go, wow. I mean, why wasn't that out? Why wasn't it released? Mm-hmm. But I mean, the music business is a very tricky thing and you know things lots of music gets done that never people never hear you know it's um you know it's a it's a difficult um climb sometimes to uh success in the movie and music industry but i decided to go back to writing music just for to feed my own soul and just Mm -hmm. to do something creative that i love and i'm a real lover of funk i like 70s music. I grew up listening to funk, Parliament, Funkadelic, Bootsy, Larry Graham, all these guys. And so when I started playing bass, you know, I sort of um, really got into rhythm and um, because I played percussion and drums and guitar and everything. But um, bass really came naturally. So when I decided to get kind of back into creating music again, I said, look, I just want to, I don't really want to do a band because, you know, you always, everybody has their differences and, you know, it's really hard to keep a group of guys together. But I said, I just wanted to do a music project where different people could come and collaborate and they could be in their own bands, they could have their own projects, but, you know, they could still be a part of this, 3D Nucleus. So mm-hmm. um, 3D Nucleus is just a really fun project. You know, we welcome any other musicians that want to collaborate with us that, you know, have a gift for creating music and, and a love for it, for it. I mean, people that want to get paid are just not, they're not coming to the right project because you know, <laughs> <laughs> we could care less about it. I mean, although, you know, we'd like to build a catalog of music and eventually I would like to become associated with some, maybe some, some cool young filmmakers or something that yeah. would like some funky music, you know, in their movies or maybe some video games or something. We, it might be cool to find, you know, alternative ways to, to use it and um so that's what we're after we're after sort of a modern version of funk not the mm-hmm. 70s 80s vibe that people associate with the word funk mm-hmm. you know funky music is it can be anything i mean it can be classical music it can be heavy metal it can be hip-hop you know it's it's just a, a vibe a rhythmic vibe that kind of fits into all genres of of music really. And so that's what we do. And the cool thing about the project is that we're not inhibited by um, 
you know, if when you have a band, you have to create a sound, you have to mm-hmm. kind of be consistent. Um, but we can really experiment a lot, which is really cool. I mean, I've done some hip hop. We, you know, we did, we did a few, a couple of videos, um, that are on YouTube and on Facebook. And, um, when we shot it at Star Wars Celebration, and we actually got everybody to be in it. I definitely recommend checking it out. It is a, it is a really fun video, both that one and then the the sequel as well is is great too. The Beat Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cloud City Funk was really wild because um, Jamie Strangroom from the BBC contacted me, mm-hmm. and um, he said he was going to do a parody with my dad, a, a Cloud City parody, while he was in London. And um, we had been experimenting with this groove that was kind of, the drum kit was kind of metallic. Um, Jimmy has a, a, a rolling kit, so he can change the sounds of the kit. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool. He can do some interesting things with it. It's just not a standard drum kit sound. So he was messing around with some metallic sounds. And when we laid down this jam session, we thought, man, that sounds really Star Warsy. <laughs> but, you know, we weren't, we weren't really going for that. We were like, that would be too obvious if we did that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so when Jamie approached me, he said, you know, I know you guys do music. Do you have any music that would work for this parody? And I was going, hmm, I think I got just the thing. <laughs> so I put it, I edited this piece together, sent it to him. He loved it. Um, they used it. And I said, you think you could give me some of your footage and maybe I could somehow create a music video around this thing? Mm-hmm. So he, he said, sure. So he gave me some of the stuff they had and we shared stuff. And then Star Wars Celebration in Orlando came around. And I thought, what a great opportunity to grab some random footage, you know. Mm-hmm. And, right. And uh, so, you know, I contacted a lot of my friends who were in the 501st Legion, the Rebel Legion. You know, that's that's the like the hugest Star Wars celebration convention in the world, basically. Mm-hmm. And the costumes are amazing. I mean, some of them are even better than the originals. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so I con- I contacted a friend of mine, Mark Donovan, who he's a photographer, and I said, "You're gonna be there?" He's like, "Yeah." I was like, "We need to shoot some video," but. I said, you know, I don't want it to come across like a polished video. I want it to be like really spontaneous and Mm -hmm. fun and, you know, something somebody could have shot on a camcorder or something, just a really loose, easy feel. And so we just had fun with it. We went around, shot different characters. And then, um, and of course they told me that I would never get Mark Hamill to be in the video. And I I asked several people and they're like, yeah, he's going to be too busy. And I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. So it was just pretty random that we actually got him to do it because he was finished one day and we just happened to be around. And, you know, I walked and I was getting my spiel together because I was like, I don't even know if he's going to remember who I am. Right. But but I saw him at, at Celebration Anaheim a couple of years ago and mm-hmm. um and uh, but anyway, he was he was signing out. He had a few people left in his line. You know, I didn't want to jump in front of people who had been there for three hours trying to get his autograph. Right. But um, a few of them recognized me. They took a photo with me and then um, they were like, hey, whatever you need to do. So I just kind of walked up to him. And as soon as he saw me, he was like, hey, how's your dad doing? Because <laughs> he had laryngitis. And he was like, I, I was like, you think you can kind of be in this video? We just want you to do what we call the Lando point. 
And he was like, well, do I have to talk? I was like, no, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> so we went out back, and when he, before he got in the limousine, I turned the music on, played back, and he was like, can I hear it? And I was like, sure. So we started dancing, and he ended up kissing me on the forehead or something. I kissed him back. <laughs> it was really funny. I mean, we just had a, a good time with it, man. It was, it was just fun. And then Ray Park agreed to be in it, um, and he just happened to have a double lightsaber that day. Just happened to have one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he really, we, we looked all over the place, I mean, to get a lightsaber so that right. we could have him do some stuff. And then we were going to borrow a lightsaber from someone. And, um, you know, we had to get a good one. We couldn't have a toy right. give it to him. Some of those lightsabers are really expensive. But the lightsaber company had given him a double lightsaber while he was there. Oh, wow. So he didn't bring one, but they had given him one. So he had it. And. I had no idea he was the kind of dancer he was. I mean, he can pop lock and, you know, like <laughs> yeah. break dance. <laughs> so it's pretty cool to see Darth Maul with a double lightsaber popping and breaking. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, you know, my friend Deep Roy, who he did some work in Star Wars. Right. And, and then also he was my favorite in uh, Charlie, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. He was all the Oompa Loompas. Right. But um, he's a dancing machine, man. That guy was. We we couldn't stop laughing while he was, while he was doing. We would turn the music on for playback, and he just he got carried away with it. And people seemed to love the music. It was right infectious. No, I mean, like everybody wanted to continue filming. I mean, I played it back once for for Ray, and he was like, "Man, I'm warmed up now. Can I do it again?" Like, <laughs> well. <laughs> Am I going to tell him no? <laughs> yeah, you can't tell Darth Maul no, right? You're not allowed. So, yeah, I mean, it was a lot of fun. And, and because it's, it's it was part of Star Wars Celebration um, 2017, it makes it kind of even more special. Right. My dad's in it. You know, mm -hmm. everybody, you know, we just, everybody makes an appearance in that thing. And everybody's dancing and having a good time. And that's all it's really about. Yeah, it, it is a it is a great video, and I encourage everyone listening to to check it out because both that and its sequel are are just a lot of fun. Just for all the reasons he kind of oh, just thanks. listed. Yeah, no, of course. Thanks. Well, Corey, thank you um, for taking the time. This was I had a I had a blast talking to you, and I love I loved hearing your stories and, and what you've got in the works. And uh, I'm really excited. I really hope that book with your dad or about your dad is going to come to fruition because I think, <laughs> I think these stories are, are just awesome parts of Star Wars history. And so I really, I really appreciate you taking the time. Oh, no problem at all, man. I mean, I can go on and on. So you know, <laughs> it's just, um, there's so many stories to tell so many experiences and, you know, um, that's the reason why Brian and I just talked about, trying to create some kind of book out of the experience yeah. about the experience. So from my point of view, but you know, I don't know if that'll ever happen. I mean, we've been messing around with some transcripts and stuff mm -hmm. and um, we'll see if, if we can ever get it finished. We, you know, we need to make the time to do it. <laughs> well, you'll get at least one copy bought by me. So definitely, uh, yeah. <laughs> definitely I would love to read it. So much um, appreciated, Brandon. <laughs> well, uh, thank you so much again for taking the okay. time. And uh, if we need to do a part two at some point to talk about more stories, then we can for definitely sure. do that. Um, but again, this was—you can always contact me. You know, I'm I'm always up for doing 
another podcast, man. Love doing it. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. That will do it for our first ever interview on Talking Bay 94. I want to thank Corey for his time and stories, as well as his manager, Derek Mackey, and Cool Waters Productions for setting this all up. For autographs and appearances of Corey, you can go to coolwatersprods.com, which is coolwatersprods.com for more info. Our next episode will continue our 35th anniversary celebration of Return of the Jedi with an interview from Corey's bandmate and friend, Stephen Cosentino. So stay tuned, leave a five-star review, and may the Force be with you.